Hi, you're listening to Eternal Stance. I hope this message inspires you to live in light of eternity. If you have your Bibles, you can open there. If you have your phone. Um, so I'm going to read uh, verse 16 to, the 20, to 24. He says this, For I am not ashamed of the good news about Christ. It is the power at work saving everyone who believes the Jew first, and Paul, remember, he was, a, he was from the Jewish culture, but he had a Roman citizenship. So he's, you know, he grew up as a Jew, as a, as a uh, rabbi in his own time. But then he's writing and he's trying to kind of put the gospel to people that don't know anything about Jesus or about God, right? He says the, fir- the Jew first because Jesus came to the Jews, right, first. And also to the Gentile, which is the Romans, would be the Gentiles. This good news tells us that God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. And the scripture says, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. But God shows his anger. Did you know God gets angry? That's not the God I serve. Well, that's, <laughs> that's not the God. <laughs> it says, but God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. That's kind of cutting to the heart there, right? They know the truth about God because he has made it so obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, so they have no excuse from not knowing God. So Paul is saying, look, if you look at the heavens, if you look at what God has created, you can now look at that and say, well, yeah, that, that just kind of came. It's, it's kind of the same argument that like, you know, something hit the junkyard and a, a Bentley came out or a Lamborghini came out, right? Like he's saying, like, if you look at the flowers, the way they're designed and how our, our system, our bodies work, when you look at the heavens and the stars and the universe, he says, this obviously shows to something bigger than all of us together, right? So that's what he's saying there. It says, yes, they knew God, but they would not worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think of foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. Instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. Now, you understand the, 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 the sort of pantheistic culture that... that that Romans were, like they had all these gods, right? So these gods were made in the image of people. They were made in, the, okay, well, this is a god of, of, of rain, and this is the god of the sun. And Apostle Paul looks at this and says, look, this is all just useless. You guys made something out of wood. And he started like, it's like people, you know, imagine a person walking around and finding a piece of, of wood, right? He carves it out and you're like, oh, you shall be my god, right? Like it's kind of, kind of stupid. Why would you take some piece of wood and then start worshiping it as, oh, this is what created me? Well, that piece of wood doesn't talk. It doesn't have, you know, all these things that a person has, you know? So Apostle Paul says, look, people are worshiping all these things, right? But we're not like that. We know the living God that created all this, that created us and the wood and the animals and everything else. It says, instead of worshiping 
the glorious ever-living God. They worship idols made to look like mere men and birds and animals and reptiles. So God abandoned them to whatever shameful things their heart desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things to each other's bodies. They traded the truth of God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. Would you just bow your heads and let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you, God, for tonight. I thank you right now, God, for the word you've given us some 2,000 years ago, and it's still relevant today. Lord, I ask you right now that your Holy Spirit might come and, Father, quicken this word. And, Father, you change and transform every single one of us. May Jesus pray and everyone said, Amen. Amen. Well, I don't know about you, but, um, you know, I've said this before, but growing up, I had this, you know how people say, if it's not broke, you shouldn't try to fix it, right? Well, I've had a different philosophy. If it's not broke, you're not trying hard enough. Um, so for the most part of my life, I, I love to see how you can take things apart, you know, and see what made them, like, if, you, if my, my mom will buy me a, a toy, I'll take it apart to see how it works. I mean, that's what you do when you're a kid, right? Well, maybe not if, you know, at least for me, right? But have you ever used something that was not designed to be used in that way? Have you ever used a tool? Like, you know, you're, you're drilling something into a wall, and then you, you realize you need a hammer, but you're too lazy to go to the shed to get a hammer, and you're like, this'll do, right? And you start, you know, hitting the nail with, with a drill, and then you realize the drill just broke. Why? Because it was used in a way that you were not supposed to use it. I remember one time I was doing construction, and I don't know who would hire me in construction. I'll, I'll tell you that. Like, I'm just that bad. And, like, we were cutting. You know what a, a chop saw is? Like, it's, it's what it says, right? It's a saw that cuts things, and you chop with it, right? And you can actually cut angles. And I could not figure out how do you change the angle on the chop saw. And I put this piece of wood, and I'm trying to do this, and I'm like, there's no way to move this. So I see a rubber mallet, and I just take the rubber mallet, and I just start hitting it, right? So then the owner, which is my friend, that actually owns this shop, so it comes around the corner, and he's like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, and I'm like, I'm trying to choose. And he was like, dude, and picks it up and just moves the angle and puts it down. And I'm like, man, you've had those moments before. I mean, this, kinda, this might be a weird example, but one time I flew to Sacramento, and, and it was 4 a.m. in the morning. I'm trying to take a shower, right? And because and, and, my, my, my airplane is about to, you know, to leave, and I actually missed my, my flight, by the way. So I'm trying to take a shower, but I have no idea how to make that thing work. You've had that before, didn't you? At least once. And I pulled on it, and I twisted it, and nothing. And I'm like, do I go and wake them up? Like, what? Because I can't take a shower. And needless to say, I, I dressed up, and I went to the airport like that. Um, <laughs> I missed my flight, which made it even worse, but... You've had those before, where you're like, I have no idea how to make this work. And then you're like, okay, I'm just going to use this, when it wasn't designed to hit things with. Right? (laughs) I remember I saw this. Did you guys know they used to make boats that were actually cars, and cars that were actually boats? So it was a car that you can drive and then take it through, you know, through the lake. Have you seen any of them today? Yeah, they, I mean, you know them in concept, but you don't see that every single day, you know? And so they, they were doing a documentary on that, and one of the guys like, well, yeah, I think the reason it failed is because it kind of drove like a boat and it boated like a car. 
And I'm like, wait, what? What she was saying is like, when you drove it on the road, it felt like a boat. But then when you put it in the water, it felt like a car. So it just, you know, when you, when you design things like that, it just doesn't seem to really work. That's why we have airplanes and we have cars. And people have been trying to figure out how do you make a, a car that if you, if you were in traffic, then you could just take off. And, and it's... <laughs> You know, and it's, we're still working on that. It, it's, it's really hard to do. And, I, I, and the reason I say that is because I worked at Boeing for like nine years. And I, the reason it's so hard is because the things that work in the air don't work on the ground. Right? When we're talking about a boat, it needs to be really smooth on the bottom, right, to, to slide on the water. But if you do the same concept on the road, it has to be smooth on top because the aerodynamic of, of the car has to push the car to, to, to the road so it will not fly off the road. That's why you see Lamborghinis that are very, you know, they're very slick on, on, on top, and they're just, they're just straight on the bottom. Right? So, so when you try to put those together, it's just like it doesn't really work because, because, you know, think of airplanes, for example, right? On the ground, they're extremely awkward. When was the last time you're like, yeah, we're doing like, we're taxiing, and uh, we're doing like 300 miles an hour. Like, you know, you don't taxi, right? But then when it gets in the air, you go 600 700. In the air, airplanes, they just suck their wheels in, right? And then they start to, to soar in a way the car can never do. But it's also really amazing when you get in the car and you can hug the road and, you know, feel that. Right? So, so what, what am I saying? What I'm saying is, is that to know the purpose of anything, you have to know what it was created for. Right? If I want to make sure that my Lamborghini, now that I have one, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I wish, no, I don't. But still, like, <laughs> to make a car drive, you have to make sure that it has the right gas, the right oil. And when you make all those things work together like it was designed, that thing just does amazing things. But, but if you decide, like, you want to do a YouTube video and you, get, you decided that you're going to go and pour some Coca Cola in the car, because. <laughs> I don't care what the manufacturer says. I'm just going to do whatever I want to do because I can pour Coca-Cola in my tank and nobody can... Yeah, you can do that. The only problem is that car is going to be... Just drive a couple miles down the road. You, you, you'll be stuck because now you have to take the whole engine apart and clean it up because you, you are using something that... Now, Coca-Cola, if you enjoy drinking it, well, it's good for that, right? Well, it's not really good, if you know what I mean. But you guys get the point, right? Like... You need to use things the way they were intended, otherwise they break. So when we talk about, when we look at humanity, when we look at me and you, I think all of, especially if you're a young adult, you always trying to figure out, okay, where is my place in life here? What exactly was I, was I created to do? What's my purpose? And for me, kind of hit about 23, I've said this before, but like, where you're just like, what is my life about? And surely you cannot be going and saying, well, let me test it by pouring Coca-Cola in my Lamborghini, right? Like, you, you don't have enough time to figure things out. You have to go to the one who designed life. You have to go to the one who, you know, gave you, you know, uh, just like a, an airplane. The airplane, you get, I don't know if you guys know, but like when, when you sell an airplane, it usually comes with, with, with about a room full of paperwork, and everything in there, there's a process of how you wipe the airplane and how you clean it. And how it gives you instructions about every single system on that plane and how to make it work so it soars, 
you know, and it gives you the lifespan of that airplane and every single thing. So, so it, it tells you what it was designed to do. You can't treat an airplane like a Lamborghini or try to boat with it unless it's designed for that, for that purpose. So when we look at humanity, it's not, and people go and ask around, they're like, okay, well, what's my purpose? Well, you have to make sure that you go to the one who created you to see what your purpose was intended. Just like, if I don't really know how to work that shower, maybe I should just go and see if there's a manual that shows me how to work that shower. But if you're Russian, you don't ever read instructions. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, like, you obviously haven't shopped like IKEA, right? Like, where you just sort of open the box and a whole bunch of things come out. And you're like, where? wait, I thought I was buying a chair. And there's just a whole bunch of bolts and nuts and, like, how the heck does this work? And you hope you can take the instructions and say, okay, all right, there's two bolts. Akia, by the way, have horrible instructions. But like, there's two bolts that have to go there. But we never do that, right? What, we, what do we try to do? We try to put it together first. And then we mess up. We try to figure out. My roommate bought a bookshelf and we took the whole thing apart. And we put it together and we flipped it like... Bro, we've done this like with no instructions. And we flip it up and like all the things were turned. And there's like this ugly, like like white. Um, you know how like there's a finish side to any like uh, shelf, and then there's the back side that's really bad, right? So we're like, whoops, we got this backwards, but because we glued it together already, we can't really take it apart. <laughs> so so we took a marker, I kid you not, we took a marker and we just <laughs> We drew that in, and it looked, it looked like it was easy fix. And everyone just like would come over, and they're like, something's not right about that bookshelf. And we're like, if you don't tell, we don't tell anybody. And I think a lot of times we do the same thing with our lives. We don't go to God to see how God designed to put our lives together. We try to put it together on our own. And then we get into a mess, and then we realize, like, what do I do? With I have, like, another 20 bolts, and I have no idea where they go. And you try to put tape on things, and you try to, to mark things, but you know the, the best way to do that, you have to take it apart and put it together the way it was intended to be put, put together. Right? So a lot of times we do that, and we look at now, we look on CNN, and, and I think by now, if you watch any news, if you follow any candidate, you probably know by now that things are not how they ought to be. We find, as, as, as humanity, we find ourselves in some big trouble. I mean, how do you, how do you account for all the, the stuff, the evil in the world? How do you account for people getting raped and murdered? How do you account for all the people that are getting starved to death? And like, the other day, like, Thaddeus um, was in my office uh, two days ago, and I kind of went off at him because Natalie Rothko came to me and told me that, you know, <laughs> she, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't say this, but it's really good. <laughs> She said that like somebody came and they were drinking the, this like some two hundred dollar um, drinks at W Hotel and and one of the ice cubes was too small and he says take this back because the ice cube is wrong and and Natalie just went with her ice cube and and and, and when I heard that story I'm like are you are you kidding me right now I'm like I understand that you were really important and all that but I'm like there's people that are, right now if you watch the news like they're they're searching for garbage to survive another day. And now, again, I'm not against being rich and all that. What I'm saying is, is that there's so much brokenness. We've broken humanity. So what's wrong with the world? Everyone's trying to understand that. 
There was an article Times put out saying, what's wrong with the world? J.K. Chesterton, which is a theologian, a Christian theologian, wrote in and said, sir, to your question, what's wrong with the world? Here's my answer. Me, yours truly, G.K. Chesterton. Like, what? He says, you want to know what's wrong with the world? Me. You know why? Because I don't help. You know why? Because I actually contribute to the problem. Because evil is not some people just, oh, ISIS there, and I'm going to go and just... Because if, if it was that easy. But it seems like when you look at two-year-old, and somehow they know how to lie... Like, how, where did they learn how to be evil? Like, where did they, where, what, what, you were like, you, you live in like the best nation. Like, how do you know? Well, it points to something else that lives inside in every single one of us. Though we always say, God, I know your instructions and all, but I want to do things my way. And because we try to do things our way, just like with the first two people, Adam and Eve, They broke humanity, and because of that, now we have to deal with all these things. And my addiction to pornography at 16 years old fed the sex slave trade. And I created a a demand for that. And our evil to the point where we want, we're so selfish about getting everything we want ourselves... Did you know that there's enough land and there's enough food that can feed all the people in the world? Did you know that everyone can? But some people estimated to about 1 billion people are still they're, they're going through famine. It exists in every single one of us. Every single one of us want to show God how to live our... How, God, what do you know? Let me, let me show you how it's done. And we pour our Coca-Cola in our Lamborghini, and we break down the road two miles, and then we wonder, why is my life a mess? Well, your life is a mess because you've used sex how it was not intended to be used. You've used, you know, food the way it was not intended to be used. I think everybody would agree that we need food to survive. It's just when we make food our idol, and that's all we crave, and that's all we live for. I think people realize that leisure and entertainment is not a bad thing. We all need breaks from our daily lives. We all need a Sabbath. But when we make our lives only Facebook, or only YouTube, when we start defining by these things is when things start to come undone. When we start getting defined by how many followers we have or how many things we're going through and, and, and we start to lose sight of what God intended us to be and we start to look around and, okay, well, I'm going to define myself with these kids or this, 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 these people and that and that and that and try to do things on our own. Look, your life is not long enough to try and figure out things on your own. You can either look at God and say, God, how did you intend for me to live life? Or you can be like me, like with the IKEA bookshelf, and then trying to figure out, okay, how do I unglue this part? Because it's like, it's, you already set in. If I only had just read the instructions before that, things go wrong when we try to do things on our own without seeking his counsel and his advice. So, so in John 1, it says that God sent, um, uh, so 1 6, um, 6 says, God sent a man, John the Baptist to tell about the light so that everyone might believe. 
because of his testimony. So John the Baptist is the person who proclaimed that Jesus will come, and Jesus is our hope. Jesus is the Son of God. He is God himself, and he came to show us how to live our life. He came to to take us and say, hey, this is the way all these things were meant to be lived and how what kind of purpose you have. And look at this. John, um, John, which is a friend of Jesus, right? He is writing about Jesus. And he says that John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, Jesus, who is, gives life to everyone, was coming into the world. He came, listen to this, he came into the very world he created, but the world did not recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all, listen to this, but to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave them right to become children of God. They are reborn, not of a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but birth that comes from God. So the word became human and made his home amongst us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the father as one and only son. Jesus came that he would live a perfect life and he would be the author of our faith. He would say, follow me because this is how life was intended. Your life was intended that you might be in relationship with God himself and be in relationship with uh, with another. Let me show you the way of holiness. Let me show you the way of righteousness. And if those are big words, you know, just, just hang with me a second here. Holiness, usually a lot of times people kind of look like, oh, you're just holier than thou, huh? Like you think you're so great and stuff. That's not what holiness means. Holiness basically means that you say, hey, this is broken, The world that we live in is broken. And we've been doing this over and over and over. We see a person that we, oh, Donald Trump is going to save us. And then you realize his flaws. And you, you, you put your hopes in all these things and they fail. So God says, hey, all these things have failed you. Sex has failed you. You know, uh, uh, popularity has failed you. Money has failed you. Let me show you how it's done. Let me show you a higher way a better way of doing things. Holy is to be set apart, is to say, I've been going this direction, I'm going to move from this direction, I'm going a different direction because I've tried this direction and it doesn't work. And if this was Dr. Phil, I'd pull Dr. Phil on you and say, you've been trying to do life on your own, how's that working for you so far? Right? And God says, look, come, and let me show you how it's done, Right? And so I think we have a misunderstanding of what holiness is. Because you see, your life, you know, I think when all of us are, are, you know, we come into the world, you're given like, maybe you're good at music. And then maybe you are strong. You have muscles, I guess. I don't know. Maybe you have a particular way of speaking to people, you know. So you have all these gifts and stuff. And then you have, you know, the problems that you inherited from your nature, right? And you're like, how the heck do I make sense of this? Which direction do I adjust him? What's this puzzle that I'm putting together? Like, how do I make this work? How do I make life work? And Jesus comes, comes alongside and says, look at me. Have you ever tried to put a puzzle together with no picture? It's almost impossible, but when you have a picture, you know what 
you should look like. I mean, we're the puzzle. You know where I'm going at this point by now. Like, right? Like, you know what the puzzle should look like. How do you put your life together? Well, look at Jesus. Uh, there's a pastor, best word, that he says that one time he went to this 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 person's house and they they've never heard about Jesus, and they asked him like after an hour of talking, like, so what do you do? And he's like, well, I teach the Bible to young people. And she's like, why would you ever want to do that? Isn't like all the religious people like really kind of like they they start all these wars and they hate people and stuff? And Ben Stewart says, well, actually, if you look at old religions, you'll see the people abused any system. But look at Jesus and tell me what you disagree with. Are you going to disagree with um, love your neighbor as yourself? That's some good advice. Are you going to disagree with the golden, golden rule? Do as unto others as you want to be done unto you? That's some really good advice. There's actually books written about how Jesus... Jesus is not only good for eternity, but he's also good for business, for every single area of your life. To treat people with honor and respect and to love them and care about them. That's what you're called to. I love this, this passage in, I think it's 1 Corinthians. Um, I'm sorry, it's actually 2 Corinthians, and it's uh, 3.16. says, but whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away from, uh, for the Lord is spirit, and whatever the, the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have the veil removed, we can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is spirit makes us more and more like, like him, and we are changed in his glorious image. So what he's saying here is that people are blind. They have a veil, but when you turn to God, God shows you what you should look like, and you start living your life according to what he says, not according to what you think, because if You've done things on the way you think. I don't know. For me, it hasn't worked out well. To look unto him, the author and perfecter of our faith. Now, a lot of times people take and misrepresent that. And the reason we don't want to be holy or to be set apart or to be different is, you know why? Because we value to conform. Like, you don't want to be the guy that, you know, dresses up weird and stands out. I mean, you, you did your hair before you came here because you wanted people to like you. And you wanted to fit in with a certain crowd and a certain people. Right? That's, that's built in us. So we don't want to be, and when everyone is cussing their, their, their mouth off, right? Like, like, it's so much easier to say, <laughs> like, to laugh alongside of that. It's, you know you disagree with that. You know that that's not the way you should be treating people. But, 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 but it's so hard to say, well, well, the, well, you know when people say really weird jokes and, and they're, you know, sexual and all that, and the Bible says that between you shouldn't even be a hint of sexual immorality. But we're just going to go along with it because we don't want to be like the weird guy that stands out and say, hey, you know what? I, I, you know, I, I am just so amazed. I don't understand how our culture doesn't get it. When you have all these people like Me Too movement and like everyone's like, we're against, you know, I, actually today um, Harvey Weinstein actually got arrested for, for literally you know, molesting and raping, you know, girls, right? Like, so he got arrested for that. And everyone's like, yeah, justice. And it's like, well, it's kind of hypocritical because you see, uh, you know, a, a, a TV host speaking against this guy and then he's caught in the same thing. And you're like, what? You know why? Because we're going to have sexual abuse victims as long as we're okay with abusing sex. 
as long as we go around pretending like you can sleep with whoever you want to sleep with, like as, that, that doesn't affect you emotionally, like as long as you abuse that, you will have victims, you will have heart are broken. It's not that hard. And God says, look, this should be in the confines of marriage. You should be really committed to this person before you give everything that you have to them. I think that's some good advice. Girls, if someone, some guy in this place comes to you and says, well, you would do this if you loved me. Well, you need to take that boy to like 1 Corinthians 13 and says, love is patient and love is kind. So if you really love me, you'll be patient and you will wait until you are fully committed to me and you put your, ma- your money where your mouth is and you're going to take care of me and you're going to drop me the next, the next time a girl comes around. And if you're a guy in this place and a girl tells you, like, I'll go after you when you actually show me your bling bling and all that, well, you need to have a sit-down conversation and say, hey, this is not, this is not love. Love doesn't put conditions about, like, well, if you just do this and, oh, well, if you truly love me, you want to know true love? Look at Christ, who gave everything to whom I have life. We understand true love in light of what he's done for us. So as long as we're going around abusing the things that God is, we're going to have brokenness. There's just no way, easy way of putting it. I don't know how to, how to put it. I mean, think of, think of this. I mean, there's this passage that I, I you know, it's kind of harsh, to be quite frank with you. Um, but it's straightforward. It says, don't you realize, I have a fly right there. (laughs) Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Right? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit adultery or male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or are abusive or cheat people, none of these things, none of these people will inherit the kingdom of God. And I, I think it's very depressing when you read that, right? Like, wait a second, does that mean that if I got drunk, God doesn't want anything to do with me? Right? Like, it, it could be really depressing, like, but look at the next verse. It says, some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed, you were made holy, you were made right with God by calling on the name of Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Another translation says, And such were some of you, drunkard and, uh, uh, drunkards and, and cheaters and, and homosexuals and all these things, these things that God did not intend for you to do. Because of that, you are broken. It says, Such were some of you. But here's the hope. You no longer have to be like that. When you declare Jesus as your Lord and Savior, say, God, I want to live my life according to you. So you no longer have to give into that. So what do you give into then? What is it? Okay, so we understand that being holy may be why we steer away because we, we like conformity. We misunderstand it a lot of times. And like, we don't want people like, oh, you're holier than us. You're better than us. You see, Christians are not perfect. I don't come up here and it's like, oh, you guys should do exactly what I do because I'm amazing. That's not what we preach. What we preach is, guys, I'm just as broken as everyone else. But here's where I found hope. I find my victory in him, him crucified, Christ crucified. 
And he's come into my life and he's changed my life. And he's given me a purpose when I was suicidal. He's given me a purpose to live. That's where the hope lies. Christians don't claim to be perfect. Christians claim to be forgiven. That's the difference. So how do you be holy then? Well, we think differently than the world. Philippians 4.8 says this, and now dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, fix your thoughts on what is true, what is honorable, and what is right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting it into practice, all that you've learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. He says, pursue what is truth. Pursue what is pure. Pursue what is lovely. And what to be admired, what, what, what we admire. Look, no matter if you're an atheist or if you're a practicing atheist, a practicing atheist means that you claim to be a Christian, but you live like God doesn't exist. So that's a practicing atheist. Regardless who you are, at the end of the day, most people would agree that justice is a good thing. Mercy is a good thing. Being, you know, loving towards people, being kind and gentle, and not just, those are amazing things, and that's what Jesus taught us to do and to be. So we think differently. We talk differently because we think differently. Romans 12, 2, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you learn to, to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasant and perfect. He says, don't look at the culture and define. Culture, they change the way they dress. They change every single day. And one day being this is good and popular, the next day they crucify you for it. He says, don't, don't look at that. Don't copy that. Follow after me. Things that were amazing 2,000 years ago, like what we've just, like when we talk about the fruits of the Spirit, like, you know, self-control, Love, patience, kindness, like all these things, right? These were popular 3,000 years ago, and they're still popular today. Now, going back to the purpose, how do you make a purpose? I mean, how do you live out your purpose? Well, you can go, and this is almost sad, you can go be like Madonna and get everyone to say that you're the most amazing singer ever. And you can enjoy that spotlight for a season. And then you have to go on stage and make out with, another, with Britney Spears because you're old now and people don't pay attention as much. And you have to, to, to make out with someone to kind of gather headlines, to be back on the spotlight. Where you can be, you know, rich and, and gather all the money. And then the moment you start losing influence, you're, you can figure out, okay, but, but few things are not going to change. If you pursue what's eternal in light of eternity, that's what, what really makes sense. When I look at people that are, are famous, and then now people call them, oh, a has-been, because they used to be popular at some point, but now they lost that. So you can spend your life, pursue money, fame. No, those things are not bad in itself. I think fame is not actually what people make it to be. I think influence is great. Depends how you use that influence. I think influence is currency, just like money is. The Bible never says the, Bible, uh, the money is the root of all evil. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. Right? So these things, you can either use these things 
to impact people's lives? Or are you going to use people to get these things that are temporary? And when you're going to face your death, you're going to wonder, what's after this? Because you haven't invested in eternity. You invested in things that are temporary. A few more, and we're going to go towards worship. And I want to say, so you think differently. You, you talk differently. You love differently. Jesus himself said, people will know that you are my disciples, but the way you love one another. Our culture is so set on, well, if you love me, you do this. Or if you did this, if then, if then, and so on and so forth. Jesus came and said, hey, you know what? You don't have to do anything. I love and care about you. And because he loves us first, we get to love other people. And what, what, it is, what, what, what is love embraced becomes love extended. When we embrace his love on us, when we become a source of love, then we can extend it to other people. But if you have not embraced his eternal love, you'll go around chasing the spotlight, chasing the fame and money and all that, and purpose until you get, and you're like, what is my life about really? Because I'm facing death and I've, my whole my, my life has been a mess. So we think differently. We talk differently. We love not because they deserve it, but because Christ loved us and now we extend that to other people. And the last one is this. We live differently. We have to change the way we live. We can't go on and be and do exactly what everyone is doing. Things have to change. I, I love this, this amazing um, story in Timothy, Second uh, Timothy. So Apostle Paul writes to Timothy now, uh, 2.20 says this, In a wealthy home, some utensils are made out of gold and silver, and some are made out of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions, and the cheap ones are for everyday use. If you keep yourself pure, you'll be a special utensils from honorable use. Your life will be clean. You'll be ready for the master to use for every good work. What he's saying here is, look, in every single house, there are, there's a garbage can, and then there's cups that you drink out of. My dad will always say that Slavic... We used, when I, when, I, when I grew up, like I, we, we didn't have running water in the village, so, so I had to go to the well and, and drop a bucket and get the water, and, and you'd walk with it like half a mile, and then a fly would drop in it, and you're like, oh. And then you have to go and dump all that water because now it's kind of spoiled, and then go get you know, new water. We never used the garbage can to get the water, we actually had two separate buckets. And it was weird because like the old buckets that were used for garbage and the bucket was used for good water that we drank out of. We never exchanged those two. You know why? Because that stinks. Self-evident, isn't it? What I'm trying to say is, is, is this. Is, this is what Apostle Paul says. Look, if you want your life to leave a legacy of godliness, you're going to have to pursue the things we talked about. You're going to have to cleanse yourself. You're going to have to pursue whatever is lovely. Whatever. You, you, can't, you, can't comfort, you can't comfort someone who's been sexually abused when you are actually the abuser. You would have to get your life in order if you want to help somebody else. You, you, you can't go around 
And, you know, if you've encountered those people where they're so angry at everyone, probably your boss, uh, <laughs> but somehow they have this thing where they're always, you know why? Because there's a conflict in here. It's not because of you, because they've never dealt with this. And now everyone is an enemy. Everyone's a problem. And I want to say that if you're going to make an impact in this world, you're going to have to say, okay, I'm going to stand for justice and mercy and kindness and love. I'm going to stand for the things that people who made history stood for. I'm not going to chase the latest trend on Facebook. I'm not going to chase the latest trend in fashion or industry. Now, God could use you in all these areas for you to bring hope and so on and so forth to these, but that's not your ultimate goal. His ultimate goal, your, his ultimate goal for your life is for you to have a relationship with Him and for you to impact the world around you with His love, with His gospel, and the good news that we have. Now, the two things that we, two, two people we see in, in the Bible, Judas and Peter, these are two guys that were disciples of Jesus. If you are not familiar with the story again, Jesus had 12 disciples. And he got pretty much 12 guys that he wanted to pour what he knew into them. Kind of like what you guys do with small groups and Sisura Cafe and so on and so forth, right? Like, so he asked these two guys that, that follow Jesus and they hear the same sermons. They hear uh, the same testimonies. They see the same blind people because get their sight. They see the same thing. Yet, Judas, the Bible says that he hung himself. It would have been better if he wasn't born. Wait, what? And then Peter, God says, I'm going to build my church on you. You leave a legacy of godliness. Now, wait a second. Both of them sinned too. Remember? Judas sold Jesus, and Peter denied Jesus. So it's not like they were perfect people here, right? Like they were both, they messed up. So what was that one factor that caused one person to be this way, another person to be that way? What was that one thing? Just like here, you came and you're listening to the same speaker. You might go to the same services. You might have the same friends. Yet for some of you, God say, might end one way, and some of you might end a different way. I hope everyone, this is the whole reason, we're, I don't get paid to do this. This whole reason why we're doing this is because we want to impact people with the good news, right? So what's the difference? You know what the difference is? We see that both of them sinned, but Judas went back to make another deal with Satan or with the priests. And if you're not familiar with the story, you can read that later on, it's... it's you know, it's a pretty well-known story. And Peter went back to make another deal. Well, not make another deal, but to ask forgiveness from the Lord. Furthermore, John talks about Judas. And he says, there's this one time. I knew that, I knew that Judas is not going to do very well because this was one time where, uh, you know, he actually describes this and says that, you know, Jesus is about to get crucified and he has this kind of like, you know, get together with Martha and Lazarus and this woman comes and she's shaking, right? And she has the, this bottle of like perfume and she just breaks it over Jesus and he like, she anoints him with that perfume. And in that culture, that was a sign of, hey, I, I, 
you are so honorable to me that I'm willing to pay the price that you might smell good in a sense, right? Like she, she does that over him. Now we know that perfume costed 300 denarius, which is, which is a year worth of money. Think of if you work in Bellevue and you make $60,000 a year, imagine this woman spends $60,000 a year to get this one perfume so she could break it over Jesus. And Judas looks at this whole story. John's talking about this, right? Like he says, what a waste. It would have been better if she wouldn't have done that. It would have been better if she would have, you know, sold the perfume and give it to the poor. A very odd thing to say about the guy who you follow. And John says, John actually says this, he says, he didn't say that because he cared about the poor. He said that because he was the cashier, and he knew if he were to get his hands on that perfume, he could sell it, and he could steal more from the same, cat, uh, from the same money box. So we see that Peter was not perfect. We see that Judas was not perfect. But Judas, when he was dealing with stealing or cheating, or, you know, he didn't repent for that. Peter did. And now we see how they both ended up. Now, did you know that in Revelations 20.12 says that there's a book that's written about your life? Did you know that every single text message you send is, is written in there somewhere? Every single thought? kind of scary if you think about it. Imagine if you're sitting in front of God and all your friends that are there, all the people who ever lived, and all, all your thoughts are just displaying, you know, right before you. Wouldn't that be kind of embarrassing? That would be very embarrassing. He <laughs> says, um, 20, actually 2011, so, and then we're going to go to 12. And I saw a great white throne So John is describing the final judgment. He says, I saw a great white throne, and on it, on the one sitting on it, and the one sitting on it, the earth and sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before the God's throne, and the books were open, including the book of life, and the dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. They gave up, uh, the sea gave up, it's dead, and the death and the grave gave up their dead, and they were all judged according to their deeds. Another verse that I'm not going to read, the, but, but it says that there's actually two books. One of them that records all that you've done, and then there's another book, a master book, where all your names are recorded. The, the ones who is called the book of the Lamb, or the book of Jesus Christ, and those names are written of those who put their trust in the Lord. So the enemy, Satan, is going to come and say, well, I opened Slavic's book and, and <laughs> there's not good things in here. Like, especially at the beginning. God, you're just. You should punish Slavic for this. And God's going to say, well, his name is here. That means that Jesus paid the price for whatever God, uh, Slavic did here. So, so, so maybe God doesn't live in time, so he can step back and he can look at your life, right? This is your life. He can see. He can see the way when you were born. He sees the way you're going to end up. But to you, you're still writing it. Somewhere in here is your chapter on something, right? Like today, for example, it was so kind of boring driving here, wasn't it? Unless you came with a friend. I don't know. Right? So, so, but you're writing it. You're writing it, right? 
And one day, it's going to say the end something. Now, now, I don't know about you, but if you guys read any fictional books or nonfiction, well, mostly fiction, right? Like, you know that it doesn't start out saying, oh, yeah, they loved each other. And then last chapter says, yeah, and they murdered each other. <laughs> There's got to be a chapter in here that explains that. Otherwise, it makes no sense. How? You know, where it says, yeah, and they went around and, and they just... They just beat each other up, and then they lived happily ever after. That doesn't happen. There has to be a chapter that explains the change. Well, you see, in my experience, at least with books, is usually all the chapters, they lead up to the final one. Your life, everything that you think is insignificant, your little conversations you're going to have after this about what you do and how you've been, how's that, that, like, that's... That that matters. Because maybe someone came here suicidal. And maybe someone came here that really is in desperate need of hope. And you are helping them change the trajectory of where their book's going. Maybe this is a moment where if you have not met Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or if you're a Christian, but you've lived as Jesus is not the Lord and Savior, maybe this is a place where you, tonight is a place where you write that chapter. Maybe tonight you say, Lord, I, I've tried to do life on my own, and just it's sort of like putting the bookshelf together. It don't work. God, I've been trying to cut with, you know, I've been trying to wash dishes in the microwave, and I've been trying to do my sandwich in the dishwasher, right? Like, it just, mm, that doesn't work. It's kind of like that. So I, I don't know how he came in today, and, and, and I hope that God spoke to your heart tonight. And I hope that you take that for it. I'm going to ask the, um, the worship team, you guys can, can come back, and we're going to go into that song again, Encounter Me. I really hope that you take this moment. I'm not going to call you up front. All I, w- I want to do is I'm going to be here. We're going to have some more leaders up here. If, if you need prayer, I'd love to pray with you. But if not, I'm going to ask you to stand out right now and stand up. And um, we're just going to go back into worship. And if you don't know how to talk to God, just say, God, I, I want to encounter you. I don't, I don't really know how to do this, but God, if you're real, would you show yourself to me? God, if you really, if, if you are who you say you are, where who you said through Slavic you are, would you make yourself known? So after we play that song, we, I'm going to come, we're going to pray a closing uh, prayer, and then we're going to go and have fellowship. Thank you for listening to Eternal Stance. My hope is that these messages will help you to live in light of eternity. If this podcast is a blessing to you, would you share with other people? Thank you in advance, and until next time, God bless you.